All right, everybody. Hi, welcome to Beyond the Cover. John Robb got called into a last-second work meeting, so I'm flying solo. I'm Jeff Ayers. And, you know, i got to say it's kind of cool. I wasn't in the mood to talk to him anyway. But I get the opportunity <laughs> to talk to one of my favorite authors, New York Times bestselling author of 14 novels featuring Pike Logan, Brad Taylor. His 15th novel, American Trader, comes out on January 5th. A great start to the new year. Brad, thanks for joining with me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is awesome. Uh, well, your new novel, American Trader, uh, tell me about it. What's, it. what's going on in it? Uh, well, basically, that I actually got the idea for this book uh, three books ago. I was doing uh, research in Lesotho, Africa, and, which was about a coup. And so I, I was going around looking at problem buildings and things like that. And um, there was a lot of Chinese writing on the walls. And I was like, what, what's up with the Chinese writing? And they said, oh, China's building all this stuff for us for free. And I said, why? And they said, well, because they want to be your friend. And I was like, nah, not really sure. And that was my first introduction to the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative that's all over the world. And so it started building up. And then the president of China said that he's not going to pass Taiwan on the next generation. And then he started hitting Hong Kong over and over again. And I said, okay, there's a book there. Oh, and there definitely was. Um, one of the things I love about your books, and I'll get back to American Trader here in a second, but how do you make them so timely? You seem to know exactly what the pulse of the world is going to be when these novels come out. Well, actually, I think it's more along the lines. I just stay abreast of what's going on in the world. And uh, a lot of the stuff in the American press doesn't make the news. Um, I mean, it, you know, America has its own uh, culture and everything like that, and so you're going to see Kim Kardashian before you see anything else. And I, I, I get feeds every day about what's going on in the world, and I saw that thing bubbling up, China, in Spratly Islands, in South China Sea, in the Belt and Road Initiative. And, I, and, and like I said, it's a slow burn. It wasn't something new. It was three years in the making. Yeah, true, true. Um, one of the things I have to say, and I say this as I love your books, you seem to have former task force members always having problems to spark the stories. <laughs> so, could you talk Definitely. a bit about? Uh, could you talk a bit about the conflict that gets them involved in this case? Uh, which uh, task force member are you talking about? Um, well, um, you were. It was uh, Duncan who gets in trouble this time, and then that gets um, Pike and. Uh, oh Jennifer. yeah, yeah. So he was he was actually in uh, No Fortunate Son many moons ago. And he left the task force, and I just kind of, you know, had him exit stage left and uh, never did anything else with him. And then when I started doing the research for Australia and everything else, his skill set, he's a hacker, he does coding. And so I thought I'd pull him back in, and I did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it was fun to see him come back. Um, speaking of research, how do you tackle the research since you deal – with potentially sensitive and classified issues? Uh, well, most of the research now is, it's, uh, to be honest with you, everything is open source now. So there used to be, uh, back in the day when I was in the military, that you, know, you had somebody who was Q, like from James Bond movies, that made all this secret stuff, and you had all this Q stuff going on. But nowadays, it's all commercial off the shelf. I mean, the CIA, the Department of Defense, everybody's, 
looking to the uh, uh, commercial sector to help them do stuff. So it's, it's actually all of it's open source stuff. You, you don't even have to look into, you don't have to know anything classified because you can see what's going on just by open source. They're, they've overcome anything that CI can do. Interesting. Um, and now with uh, everything, you can even get a bunch of stuff on Amazon. I never imagined even a couple years ago I could get. So, <laughs> um, one of the things I love about your books is Pike and Jennifer are fantastic characters. And in this particular genre, you're so good at this. Um, your characters seem realistic more so than some other people who write in this genre. I'll just say that. Um, how do you make your characters so realistic? Well, I'll be honest with you. Characters make any novel, whether it's a murder mystery or whether it's a, uh, you know, doesn't matter what it is, a military thriller. Uh, I mean, nobody cares if a car bomb's going off in an empty parking lot. They care about a car bomb going off with somebody they invested emotional energy in, and that's what I strive to do. I mean, that's just characters make the book, and so that's that's what I do. Well, and and you do it so well, obviously. Um, one of the things I've heard from other writers is that when you have a series that's ongoing, it is difficult to keep your two leads in a relationship. Some authors avoid long-term relationships altogether. You think of James Bond, he's like one woman, then the next one he's with a completely different woman. How do you handle the two leads being in a long-term relationship, and is it problematic sometimes when you're trying to write these books? Yeah, it definitely is. It's actually it's a work in progress. <laughs> I never thought I had one book published, much less 15. So that's probably the hardest thing I have to do is because they have to grow. I mean, every person grows. Uh, I mean, you you have a baby, that's a new life story. You have uh, you go to college, that's a new life story. Everybody grows. And so the hardest part of that thing is making sure the characters are growing through the series. And it, it's very, very difficult to do. You you, you have to plot out, you know, how is this going to happen? Who's How is this going to affect Jennifer? How is it going to affect Pike? What's going on here? What's going on there? That's probably the hardest thing about writing a series. Um, do you, are, are you pleased that you actually are writing a series, or would you prefer to – like even take a dive into a standalone at some point? Uh, I've thought about that, but, you know, the truth of the matter is, I mean, I like writing a series because I know the characters so well, and if I was going to write a standalone, it would probably be, you know, Pike's got blue eyes, and this guy would have brown eyes, and Pike's 6'2", and this guy's going to be 5'8", and it would end up being Pike. So I just <laughs> stick with Pike. Okay, no, that, that, that's totally cool. Um, one of the other things I love about it, your books, is that you, like I said, have great characters, but you also balance the action and the mission with the character development. And I'm wondering, how how do you do that? Well, I think a lot of the times there's, um, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to disparage anybody, but a lot of the times there's, things in combat that happen that are, are not good. There are bad things that happen. You, everybody makes a decision. You want to make the right decision. You want to make the, the decision that saves the day. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Uh, but you still made that decision. It's happened 
throughout our conflicts in World War II, Vietnam, War on Terror, you make a decision. And when it ends up right, you look like the good guy. When it ends up wrong, you look like the bad guy. And I try to capture that on the page. There's, there is no, uh, you know, perfect way to do things. And in most, you know, Hollywood movies, if I, I could allow, you know, give me a drill bit to drill in this guy's knee, I'd save the day. Well, that's not the case. Uh, sometimes you make decisions that are good, and sometimes you make them bad, and I try to capture that on the page. Well, I'm going to be a broken record. You do a great job of it. <laughs> um, so one of the things um, that's just recently happened is you and I actually share an agent, which is uh, – he's awesome, by the way. I'm curious if you could uh, go back in time a little bit and talk about your publishing journey. Um, sure. Yeah, I, um, I you know, I – I did what everybody else in the universe does when they have no knowledge of the publishing agency or publishing industry whatsoever, which was, who knows an agent? And I, I found a person who my wife actually, whose boss, knew the guy who published or produced Dexter, and next door to him was a, a literary agent, and so I sent him the book, and they said, yeah, not good enough, see you later. And so then I started really reworking the book and reworking the book and reworking the book, and then started doing what everybody else does, finding agents who read my books and uh, eventually found an agent. So, yeah, you, you, you did all the um, required things that we all seem to do and deal with rejection, which uh, we all love rejection, of course. <laughs> yeah, actually, and I see all these, uh, uh, you know, rejection letters from uh, J.K. Rowling's and rejection letters from uh, uh, you know Stephen King and that kind of stuff. The truth of the matter is, I never got any rejection letters. All I got was nothing. I mean, it was just like you went into a <laughs> void, and nobody even bothered to tell me I don't want you. <laughs> well, I am sorry to hear that, but B, obviously things have worked out for you. <laughs> In fact, you are one of those examples that I think of when I think. Building a career as an author, starting off and just building and building, and now you're a New York Times bestselling author. And you used to write two books a year, and I'm sure that pace killed you practically. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, yeah, um, so besides the fact that I wish you still were writing two books a year because I love reading your books, um, I'm curious, how long does it take you to write a novel? And congrats on being able to fall back to one book a year. I had takes. I mean, I was doing when I did two books a year. I mean, the flash to bang was literally six months. So I finished one book, and um, in fact, I was on a security contract, and I was in the barracks, and I got an email. I told my editor, "Don't contact me for the next six weeks. I'm incognito. I, I can't talk. I have no internet. I have nothing to do with this." But I had a MyPy, and I taped it to my window, and I got an email from him saying, "Hey." I need your title for your next book and the next uh, the jacket copy for it. And I was like, what in the world? I just sent you the final edit. And so it was uh, kind of crushing. And now having a year to do stuff, you, you get some time to develop it. You get to think about what you're going to do. Like American Trader itself, I mean, that's been brewing for three years. And I, I decided to actually attack, tackle the uh, – China Taiwan thing because I had three years to think about it. If I if I if I didn't have that time, I'd I'd you know I'd be spitballing something else. Well, um, 
So for a while there, you were actually balancing the day job with your writing. Uh, how did how did that go? And what prompted you to even uh, start writing in the first place? Well, it, it actually, it wasn't that hard. I mean, at, at the time, it was uh, when I wrote my first book. Of course, you get your entire life right, your first book. So when I wrote my first book, I was writing, you know, in military barracks at the volleyball terms for my daughter or whatever. I did, you know, you're just writing a book. Nobody's going to ever actually see it. Uh, once you get on the schedule, and then it's and, and what happened was I was kept telling everybody or in my publishing house, you know, hey, put this book out because I write current events, and if something goes wrong with current events, they could ruin the book. Um, and so I was like, hey, the book's done, put it out, put it out, and they were of course like, hey, you're not the only author we have. And so then they eventually told me, okay, smarty pants, if you want to put one out every six months, because I was writing the books in six months because I had security contracts for the next six months. I knew I couldn't write. And they said, we'll do it. And I was like, okay, let's do that. And then it was a wild ride. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Um, so you, you officially can say you're a full-time writer now? Assuming, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I do about uh, actually before COVID, and now COVID's come along. I'd say I don't do any security contracting anymore because they've canceled them all. But uh, before COVID, I did about three a year. Okay. Oh wow. Um, so I'm sure that that stuff might be picking up once things settle, which I'm hoping will be the next few months. We will see. Um, let's talk about the last line of this book without giving spoilers away. <laughs> um, you know what I'm talking about. It's so I do. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, will well, that was the hardest part. I know what you're asking, and I know that the hardest part about this book was I, I went and did the research in Taiwan. And Australia and ran everywhere, you know, doing everything I needed to do to get the book done. And then I came home and the pandemic hit. And my biggest question was, do I, because I write current events, do I include the pandemic? And I was just ripped apart by, I, I don't know what's going on in Taiwan now. I don't know what's going on in Australia now. I mean, Melbourne just came out of their giant lockdown. I, and I was like, how do I do a surveillance scene when, uh, you know, there's nobody on the street. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be Pike and this one guy walking down the street. How do I globetrot around the world when nobody's flying? And uh, it was a hard, hard choice. And so I, I decided I'm going to set this right when I was there, right before the elections in Taiwan. And that's what I did. And that ending is basically me saying, okay, I get it. <laughs> this is about to happen. <laughs> and And so I'm, Assuming with the next one you're going to follow up. That, oh, I got the next one. I'm writing it right now, and I'm actually in the same problem because uh, I originally started writing it with the lockdowns, and now the vaccine's out, and, and, and it's just really difficult to try to predict what's going on. So uh, um, I think I've got it in my head right now uh, what I'm going to do. I'm kind of going to split the baby in half, basically, <laughs> and write it that way. Okay, well, that's cool. I'm definitely looking forward to that. And um, readers were, are going to love American Trader, and especially, like I said, the ending was just killer. Um, what is your formula for success? I have no idea. 
<laughs> be God's honest <laughs> truth. Nobody's more surprised than me. I there is no formula for success. Uh, it's uh, writing, just writing, writing, writing. I mean, I I don't know. Lightning struck for me, and I I, I am blessed every day because of it. My wife um, has done enormous work to promote me and things like that. And I don't know. I just I don't know. Okay, <laughs> no, that's, that's that's cool. Are are uh, Pike and Jennifer based on people you know? Um, yeah, well, Pike is definitely based on people I've served with. He's kind of an amalgam of people I've served with. He's not, there is no uh, Pike Logan, you know, that I said, I'm going to make it on this guy. But I've certainly served with people who have that skill set. There's a, um, a level of skill. I mean, I served with all those guys and did the same training and things like that. But there's a level of skill that uh, no training can imbue. It's just there. And I've served with those kind of guys. And by the same token, Jennifer, I've served with plenty of people in the military, uh, females in the military, who were just as good as she is. And so it's it's kind of an amalgam of people I've met. Um, could you talk a bit about loyalty? Because that's a theme that I enjoy that you have throughout your series. Royalty? Yeah. I'm not sure what you mean. They're, I mean, they're not. Can you be more specific? I don't know what you mean by royalty. I'm sorry. Um, one of the things that I love about your novels is that the characters, there's this level of trust that in some cases. Oh, loyalty. Heard, but in most, I'm sorry. Yes. I heard, yeah, I'm sorry. I heard royalty as in like. Oh, Queen Elizabeth. sorry. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> loyalty is. Uh, um, <laughs> I thought I was talking to the person who wrote the crown. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, like, well, Pike is in fact going to be the Duke of Wales. No, <laughs> no, loyalty actually is it actually factors in quite heavily with any. I mean, when you're in special operations, that's that's what that's the bond for everybody is doing the right thing at all times, uh, and following the guy in front of you because he you you know he's going to do the right thing. And so loyalty is a huge factor in any of those types of operations, and it ends up being a huge factor in my book. Well, some I, I guess um, what I find fun about it is there's the loyalty involved, and sometimes there's a line that they might have to cross, and they won't do it because then the loyalty is gone. Yeah, well, that's the thing about loyalty. So you've got yeah. loyalty to an ethos, or do you have loyalty to a person? And that is special operations writ large. So I have a loyalty to what I'm going to do, the right thing I'm going to do. And I also have a loyalty to my team leader. And when those two conflict, it's like, okay, I've got to make a decision here. Do I blindly follow the team leader, or do I blindly follow my loyalty? And that is a thing that I mentioned earlier. You know, when there's some guy saying, I'm going to take a, you know, drill bit to this guy's leg and I'm going to screw him, you know, and torture his ass, then the loyalty becomes, hey, this is, I'm, I'm loyal to a higher ethos, not to you. Stop this. And that factors in all the time. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Um, what What is the subject of your next book, if I may ask? Uh, actually, I'm looking at, uh, there's a, a group, uh, an organization called the Knights of Malta that have been around since the Crusades. And uh, they make their own currency. They have a seal in the United Nations. They have their own passports, but they have no land. And they're really a strange organization. I found them uh, when I was researching Inside a Threat, which is years ago. And I've always wanted to put them in a book. And now I'm like, okay, I'll put them in a book. Oh, that sounds cool. I can't wait. Has Hollywood come calling? Uh, yeah, we, I, I, you know, that it's, especially now with COVID, it's really strange. So we've had a lot of uh, um, people ask, you know, do this, do that, and the other thing. And, and the main concern I have is once you sell your rights, you, you lose the rights to the book. So they can make Pike a midget and make Jennifer a 12-foot-tall, you know, I don't know, tree. And uh, I, I, my two things are, are they going to make a movie, number one? Number two, are they going to be true to the ethos? And I have yet to find anybody that's come calling that, that would do both. And so it's probably more cowardice on my part because I don't know Hollywood enough. I don't trust it. Um, so I've so far not signed up. I got you. And I I would say hold on to it tight until you know and can trust the people that have the property because, yeah, you don't want this to get screwed up. They're so good. Um, yeah, my agree. last question is, yeah, uh, my last question is where can listeners find you? Oh, they can find me at uh, bradtaylorbooks.com. They can read any excerpt of any book that I've published, including the next one, American Trader. Uh, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else, too. Fantastic. All right. Well, Brad, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about uh, your new book, American Trader, which comes out on January 5th. And for listeners, Brad is awesome. Go read all of his Bike Logan books. Brad, thanks again for talking to me. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right.